Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. We've spent the first two hours venting about the commanders. Is the season over? Should Ron Rivera be fired today? If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. But there were another 13 games in the National Football League on Sunday. It's time to recap them right now as we go around the NFL here on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL. NFL Hits on AWOD Radio. And we begin with the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I gave this a three-star matchup, a division rivalry game there. Both teams were 6-3 and three headed into it battling for second place behind the Baltimore Ravens in the toughest division in football this year, the AFC North. And it was Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR out of UCLA, who got the win for the Browns despite being just 24-43 for 165 yards and one interception as it was the Browns' defense who led the way once again, just smothering Kenny Pickett, sacked him three times. He only threw for 106 yards as the Steelers couldn't do anything through the air. It was a back-and-forth game. Cleveland was up 10-0 at the half. Pittsburgh makes it 10-10 with a good third quarter and early in the fourth. And then it comes down to the field goal kicker, former Washington Commanders kicker Dustin Hopkins through the uprights as the Browns defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here is the call on ESPN 850 in Cleveland. Steps it back. Ball down. Hopkins into it. Flag down. Kick is up. And the kick is good with two seconds left. With two seconds left, the kick is good. And the Browns would go on to win 13-10. to We move over to the Detroit Lions. Are you believing in the Lions yet? You should now. They are 8-2 for the first time since the 80s as Dan Campbell's fighting Lions fight through three mistakes from Jared Goff early on. He has three interceptions but battles back with two touchdown passes, 236 yards as the Lions come from behind with 17 in the fourth quarter to, to defeat the Chicago Bears. An excellent performance by the Lions offense in the second half to keep fighting and keep fighting through mistakes. And here is a touchdown run by David Montgomery to give the Lions a 29-26 lead, and they go on to win the game. Here's the call on WXYT. Jared leans in, takes the snap, hands to Montgomery, heads down to the end zone, touchdown Detroit Lions. They've got the lead back. David Montgomery against his former team and the Lions. What a comeback. How about that? Lions go on to win 31-26. Packers take care of business against the Chargers. Both teams are now 4-6 and six following that game, and the Packers still have an outside shot here to get into the playoffs as it seems like there could be a team with eight wins, 8-9, eight that makes the seventh seed here in the NFC. Dolphins get a nice 20-13 win over the Vegas Raiders. Tua with 325 yards, two touchdown passes, but Tyreek Hill continues his domination at the wide receiver position this year. Ten receptions, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Cowboys breeze past the Panthers 33-10 thanks to 189 yards from Dak Prescott and two touchdowns, but it was a terrific defensive performance that led Dallas to victory. The Jags get a very 
good win against a struggling Titans team, 34-14. to Travis Etienne can catch the ball. He can run as well, 14 carries, 52 yards. But finally, for the first time this season, you had a Calvin Ridley sighting for the Jags, 103 yards and two touchdown catches thrown by Trevor Lawrence. Texans and Cardinals fight. This was actually an entertaining game. Cardinals have Kyler Murray back at quarterback. He was 20 of 30, 214 yards. Also loves to scramble. Seven scrambles for 51 yards. 7.3 yard average anytime he ran the ball. But C.J. Stroud, the most impressive rookie, continues to impress me. 27 of 37. Did have three interceptions, but bounced back with two touchdown passes and uh, led his team to a 21-16 victory over the Cardinals. The Texans are now in line to make the playoffs at 6-4 in the AFC. 49ers are back to the way they were earlier this season with Brock Purdy cruising 333 yards, three touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey running the ball well, and it was Brandon Ayuk led them in receiving yards with 156 and a touchdown. Jets, Bills, Jets, Bills. Last week, everyone thought, oh, the Bills' season's over. They're crumbling. They're going to not even make it into the playoffs. They lost two games in a row to the Bengals and against the Broncos, but this is a week-by-week -week league, and they were able to do what they didn't do week one, which was defeat Zach Wilson as the Buffalo Bills host the Jets and cruise to victory 32-6. Zach Wilson lost his starting job. It will be Tim Boyle starting next week for the Jets as Josh Allen had 275 yards. Did have another interception, but three touchdown passes. Here was Josh Allen after the game speaking about his Bills performance. I think back to a couple of years ago, we were 7-6. Seven, seven and six, um, Backs against the wall there too. And, you know, it's obviously slightly different this time around. Um, but we've got guys that have been there before. And, you know, we just got to keep leaning on each other. And, um, like I said, keep taking it week by week. Big game tonight, Monday Night Football. Best place to watch the game is here at Capitol Alehouse. Any of their three locations, Midlothian, downtown, or here with me right now in Innsbruck. They own the late night. Take advantage of the late night menu while you watch Monday Night Football. And everybody's been asking about Travis Kelsey. What's the latest with Travis and his girlfriend, Taylor Swift? Well, how about Jason Kelsey? Let's hear from the center for the Eagles ahead of this big-time matchup against the Chiefs tonight. We're more just focused on this one. You know, they're a much different team right now. Um, defense is playing unbelievable football. Their offense always does with the playmakers that they have, the quarterback they have, and Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid. But I think the, the, the thing that really stands out that's drastically different is their defense is playing really, really good football right now. So the Chiefs' defense is playing really good, but the Eagles' offense has firepower on both sides of the quarterback with Devontae Smith on one side, A.J. Brown, the best wide receiver in football this year, on the other. They can also run the ball up the middle and use their quarterback on some kind of option run design plays that allows Jalen Hurts to get out and scramble. We'll see how healthy he feels tonight, but Stubb, I did go out on a limb, not just saying this is the certified game of the week. Everyone's called it the game of the week, but I called this the certified game of the season. Do you think we're going to be talking about this game tonight for weeks and weeks? I mean, probably, right? It's a, it's a Super Bowl rematch. That, and it doesn't seem like much has changed for these two teams. I think there's a chance the Eagles blow out, uh, the, the Chiefs blow out the Eagles. 
I don't think there's a chance that the Eagles are the team that blows out the Chiefs tonight. I'm hoping it's going to be a high-scoring game and a close game down to the buzzer, but part of me thinks that, hey, the Chiefs handled them in the Super Bowl with a terrible first half. They came back in the second half to win that game. If they start hot, I could see the Chiefs kind of cruising to victory, as I don't want to say the Eagles are fraud this year because they have an unbelievable record, right? I mean, they have the best record in football right now at 8-1. and one. But they are an Eagles team that gave up 31 to the Commanders twice and probably should have lost one of those games. So they're not really as good as their record, in my opinion. I've got the Chiefs winning. My official prediction is Chiefs win 38-28. to I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Next Saturday at 3.30, UVA hosts Virginia Tech for the rivalry game. Who's going to hold the Commonwealth Cup this weekend, this upcoming weekend? Of course, the Hokies need to win to get into a bowl game, so the rivalry will be heightened on Saturday. We'll recap all of the college football in the state of Virginia at 2.45 on University Drive. Then Andy Bitter who covers Virginia Tech for Tech Sidelines, will join us at 2.30. So I promise you this will be the final Commander's Conversation of the day. But I started this day by saying I'm at peace with the loss, but as you can tell by my voice here, I'm not at peace with it. I'm pissed off. Uh, and I, I want somebody to be fired for the loss. That's how pissed I am that the Commanders once again lost to the lousy New York Giants. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's our buddy Craig Hoffman. You can check him out on the Team 980 Monday through Friday. What's going on, Craig? What's up, Adam? How are you, man? I guess I kind of know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I of course, I, pick, I picked Washington to win. I told myself I'd never pick us to win again this season after the Giants beat us 14-7. And then you know what? A typical, typical stupid sports radio host in the DMV, I talked myself into believing that we could win this game, and I picked us to win just for us to lose 31-19. to You know, that was not the incorrect pick uh, going into the week because there's no good reason that they should have lost this game. Like, you know, my YouTube comments are a disaster right now, as you could imagine. And I'm sure the calls on my show yeah. at four o'clock will be equally disastrous. And I don't, I deleted Twitter from my phone. So I've been able to re- mostly avoid that. But, you know, some of the, the, the commentary is like, how can you say that they lost to a worse team? They beat us twice. And it's like, you know, I know what the Giants haven't done beat anyone else outside of the Arizona Cardinals. Like, the Giants are terrible. And, like, they're what they are, though, is, like, well-coached, and they know exactly what this team wants to do. And um, Ron Rivera's teams have consistently not got, like, played with a sharpness against teams that uh, they should beat. And that is a huge problem that he's going to have to answer for and he can't which is why uh although i'm sure we'll talk about the timing of his firing uh it is going to happen like he's done here and he knows it like he i was in the post game presser yesterday and he looked like he was ready to cry like he's been through a lot and and i feel for him in that way like this is a man who has had to deal with all the snyder stuff uh who had cancer who has, has had all kinds of things that have happened so many of which are beyond his control but at the same time like he's not good at the job. And so that's, this is the result. And now we're just, it's a matter of when and not if. 
No, you're right. And uh, I, I feel like I'm the leader of an angry mob right now with pitchforks and fire. And I just want I want somebody's head on a plate, you know. So give me a reason for having Ron Rivera stick around. There's only one good reason, and it's not even that good. Um, the reason is there's nobody to replace him. Um, and that's, right. that's what everyone says. And that's just not damning. a good enough solution. Well, like the pro- like that is so damning. And and by the way, if we had a better staff, they'd be having a better season. Like it's it, right. <laughs> the only reason to keep him is because they're so bad. If, if firing him is is not good because the uh, like there's three solutions, right? Uh, if you fire Ron, one or you because th- you have three coordinators, you have your offensive coordinator, you have your defensive coordinator, and you have your special teams coach. So offensive coordinator, we let's circle back to him because he's the guy that everyone would want. Defensive coordinator, you're not putting Jack Del Rio involved. He's the biggest reason you're in this mess in the first place. Their defense stinks. Nate Castor is actually not a bad solution. And if you wanted to do the thing where you kept EB in his current role because you, you want him to be able to focus on Sam Howell, Nate's actually not a bad call to just get you through the rest of the season. But it comes with an outside narrative that I don't think the Harris group wants to deal with. And I do not blame them that you're then passing over Eric Bieniemy again. Like, you brought him in here to be the assistant head coach. He's got the title. And even though they could be like, Ron gave him that title, not us, you can't, like, it would be such a bad look to pass over EB, who's been passed over so many times, that I don't think they want to deal with that. Which leads you to EB. Well, okay, just give him the job then. You don't pass him over. But I don't get the sense that they want to do that because, like, it's not exactly like everyone's, butterflies and rainbows around this offense like you've heard some criticism of various parts of how he's coached it and called it you know and and there is the reality that you don't want to pull him away from Sam Howell and make him coach the full team especially in a lost season where one he can't fix your problems and two he's not really capable because like it's not like he can fix the defense so like what what's the purpose and the fact that there's nobody even to like fire Jack Del Rio like Who's going to be the D.C.? They don't have anyone who's remotely qualified to call plays and, and, like, fulfill that responsibility. And that's why they stink. Like, the reason why they're bad is they have a bad coaching staff. And, unfortunately, I think we're just stuck with living with that the rest of the season and then a wholesale change, hire a new GM, let that person hire a head coach, let that person hire a staff, and, and take what is a somewhat talented roster into next season and, and be much better. Yeah, no, I get that, and I think the argument to keep Ron Rivera would be, hey, let's just tank, but that's just not in my DNA. And I look at the teams in the NFC, there are so many bad football teams that the Minnesota Vikings with Josh Dobbs right now are probably going to be the final wild card spot, and you're only two games out of it. And so I know this is crazy, Craig, but let's talk this out here. What if we went outside of the current organization? And I'm just throwing out Chris Cooley like it's a Jeff Saturday situation just because I truly think firing Ron Rivera needs to happen and bringing in someone from outside to kind of look at what's going wrong may help them fix the issues moving forward, Might make help, may help them fix the issues quick and quickly moving forward because somebody's got to come in and say, oh, well, well, they're just not playing for these guys. Part of that's what the issue is, I think, is that the defense doesn't want to play for Jack Del Rio. 
Um, that's actually an interesting thought when put that way. I'd have to spend more time on it. I mean, logistically, it's a nightmare. And obviously, like, I'm not even talking about the fact that they're playing on Thursday. Like, if they get blown out by Dallas and you want to do that in bye week, like, let's let's take that so we take the short turnaround out of it. Right. It's impossible. Right. Let, to let's install. just say right. Let's say Ron's yeah. fired on Friday. Give me a few names. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, it's impossible to install a new system. Right, like you just—it's you can't. You spend literally the entire off season installing your offense, your defense, and to try to install something new is damn near impossible. To like literally function as a football team on a short turnaround, but I, I do wonder, like the the idea of bringing in someone from the outside to kind of evaluate things and be like, this is like, this is broken this is not good. I, I kind of wonder how much that's happening quietly behind the scenes already. Like how much of Eugene Chen's job currently, the new senior vice president of football operations or football strategy, the, the analytics guy they brought in, how much of him is like combing over every decision that's been made and be like, that was dumb. That was terrible. And filing a report to Josh Harris being like, this is why you need to fire this guy. And by the way, when we hire the next guy, we need to be thinking about X, Y, and Z. Um, I do think that like, if, if they could fire, like, Mayhew now and get a new GM in, that would be great. The problem is, Adam, like, anybody that you want permanent, and, and to your point, like, if you're doing this on an interim basis, like, it's actually an interesting thought exercise. But nobody to the larger, like, fan base demanding start sooner, start now, none of the candidates you want are available. Like, if you want the no. assistant GM San Francisco, Detroit, wherever – um, you want Ben Johnson from the Lions as your head coach, the the OC there, or Brian Johnson, the quarterbacks coach in Philly. Like you want any of these these coordinators or assistant GMs, you're not getting them till after the season. So I think there's a lot of reviewing happening right now. Exactly who is doing it? That I don't know. The idea of like bringing in someone on an interim basis, I, I think what it does though too is like. You know, a lot of these coaches are represented by the same agents. Like, you're trying not to be snidery in terms of doing things that feel remotely rash. And I'm not saying firing Rivera now, uh, it would be rash. Like, clearly he's got to go. Um, but I, I just think that there's, like, a level of stability that, that there's probably some uh, intangible positive to, to move it forward. That, that doing it that way is, is right, and they'll, they're definitely working behind the scenes to prepare their candidate lists and all of those things now, and they just have to be ready to move quickly after the season, which is why, like, I'd expect, assuming that Dallas game is a 1 o'clock game on the final weekend of the regular season, there's a good chance Rivera's fired by the start of Sunday Night Football. Yeah, I do think, though, after the embarrassing loss at home and then this game Thursday on Thanksgiving nationally televised, you know, the Commanders, let's say they lose 45-10, similar to the way the Giants lost to the Cowboys. I kind of think Josh sure. Harris might be forced to make a move, and you're in and around this organization. How do you think the team would respond to Ryan Kerrigan being named interim head coach? I mean, I, I just don't think that's, like, fair to Ryan either, to be clear. Like, head co- it's hard. Um I know Ron sometimes makes it look quote unquote easy because it doesn't feel like he's doing a whole lot, but that maybe is again, part of the problem. Um, I mean, there might be a short term boost, right? But the problem is, I think like generally speaking, I actually think that you're bringing up very interesting points that for other organizations have a lot more validity. The part of the problem for this team is they have put themselves in a stupid box. And that box is, like, they have to put Eric Bieniemy. Like, imagine the national narrative of passing over EB for Ryan Kerrigan, for Nate right. Katzer. It'd be, it'd be a white whatever. guy thing. Right. 
a hundred percent. And like, yeah. if I'm on the outside, I, I would be screaming the same things. I'd be like, how are you like, just give the guy the chance. And so I think the problem is, is they are stuck. And like, this is a problem that Ron Rivera created that in a way is insulating him for the rest of the year. Um, I don't think that's why he did it, but like it, it is genius. this very <laughs> silly box that they are in that unless you blow out everybody and like you fire EB too, which feels ridiculous and I don't think is the right move, um, you kind of have to give it to EB and that's not what they, I don't think that's a good move. So like if you're, I, I know this is unpopular and I'm not doing this to be a hot take guy. Like you, you've known me long enough. I despise the hot take thing, but like this is my honest opinion having Rivera finish out the season is better than giving the job to the enemy. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but that is honestly how I feel. And I think it's how they feel. And it, that's not an endorsement of Rivera. It's just saying it's for this season and for this franchise, a term, which is really all that matters at this point. That's the smart move. The lesser of two that- evils, if you will. That's Greg Hoffman. He'll be breaking it down from 4 to 7 on the Team 980 and always available on the go on the Odyssey app. Thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you. See ya. Yep. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home. For the Virginia Tech Hokies, every Hokies football game can be heard on 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, or available on the go on the free Odyssey app. And we are just five days away from the 2023 Commonwealth Clash between Virginia and Virginia Tech. And joining me right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, he covers Hokies football. It's Andy Bitter. What's going on, Andy? Uh, It's a busy week. How are you doing? I'm doing okay here. I was disappointed watching that Hokies game. I mean, uh, what are one or two things that you point to as why Virginia Tech lost to NC State? Well, I think for starters, NC State's defense is pretty dang good. Uh, you know, they, they shut them down when the game mattered early on, and then the Hokies started throwing the ball late and got some points when they were down in a big hole. But for the most part, Peyton Wilson and that group sort of blew up Virginia Tech's spot in what they were trying to do on the ground. And then I think offensively, for NC State, they, they coach circles around the Hokies. I mean, they were doing things with motions and misdirection and going all over the field and having receivers throw passes and stuff that just had Virginia Tech on its heels all day long, uh, you know, running to the wrong spots and not able to get the quarterback on the ground when he's in the backfield. And, uh, you know, just sort of a lackluster defensive effort after that first quarter. So, uh, you know, both sides of the ball, I think there are plenty of room for improvement. And, you know, credit NC State, that was a good win. That's a good team. But I think the Hokies could have played better. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Kevin Concepcion, the wide receiver for NC State, he, he gave Virginia Tech fits all game. He finished with 63 yards, two touchdowns. He had the long 28-yard uh, catch and run. It just seems like he was getting open. Uh, what did you think of Brennan Armstrong? I mean, not the greatest statistics, just 203 yards passing, but two touchdowns, but also ran the ball really effectively, 89 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, those statistics are a little deceiving by the end. He was up over 100 yards rushing, so he you know, took a bunch of kneel downs for, for big losses at the end there. And, you know, didn't really have to throw the ball much in the second half. 
So, I mean, I think if they had to, they would have kept racking up the yards on him, and those statistics would have looked even better. I thought he was great in that game. I thought he commanded the offense. I thought he ran the ball and, and fell forward on runs. You know, had a big one there that he sprung, but also just, you know, the four-yard gains, the five-yard gains. I mean, that was their running game for a while on that one, and, you know, he was smart. He got rid of it when he was in trouble, and he, he didn't put the ball in danger very much. So, uh, you know, that's the that's the type of game you want out of a 50-year senior, 60-year senior, whatever he is. He's been playing for a while. Uh, he, he's got some moxie back there in the pocket and some sense about how to run an offense. I mean, you know, honestly, seeing him play, I'm kind of surprised NC State ever went away from him in the first place. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. As the Hokies fall 35-28, to 28, and that scoreline is a lot different than it really was on the field when you were watching. And it's always difficult to win a game when you lose the turnover battle with the drones interception. But I thought the difference in the game was third down efficiency. Uh, with NC State almost 50%, 7-15, the Hokies just 1-7. of seven. Yeah, Tech didn't convert a third down to the fourth quarter. And by then, they're already down 21 points. Uh, whatever the deficit was at that point. It was pretty large. So uh, yeah, NC State stayed on the field for most of the game. I think they had a 40 minutes time of possession. Virginia Tech just had 20. You know, a massive disparity in the number of plays run. Tech only ran 47 plays. Uh, just did not have the ball a whole lot in that game. And when that's the case, it's tough, tough to get in rhythm. It really taxes your defense and they're out there on the field the entire game. Uh, and I think that caught up with them after a while. Yeah, it just sucks that they have this setback after their best offensive performance against Boston College when they won 48-22 to and were flying on all cylinders. How massive is this game against Virginia for the future of the program, to be bowl eligible, to get another win inside of the state of Virginia, and to finish the season with some positive momentum? Yeah, I think it's it's big from a perception standpoint. I think the program has taken a step forward this year, and I think there's progress being made um, you know are people going to see that if they're five and seven or are they just going to see that they missed a bowl game and lost to virginia at the end of the right. year uh you know this game can cloud a lot of judgment about what else went on during a season and you know that's not the the ding on people for putting this above everything else this is the rivalry game this is the one that people care about uh so uh, you know you go back to 2019 and you look at this team yeah. and they made a lot of progress during that season lost to Virginia at the end of the year, and everybody looked at that season like it was a big failure or something like that, even though they were you know, 8-4 and four during the regular season and looked like they were on the cusp of turning things around. So uh, this game goes a long way in uh, building out the narrative of a season. Uh, and then out on top of it, you're bowl eligible if you win, you're not if you don't. Uh, you know, pretty big stakes going into Charlottesville this week. That's Andy Bitter. Read his work online covering Virginia Tech as a senior staff writer and lead football writer for Tech Sideline. Follow him on social media at Andy Bitter VT. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Yep. Have a good Thanksgiving. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So let's bounce around all of the college football programs in the state of Virginia, talk a little college basketball. VCU wins their game uh, against Seattle on Saturday, and we'll do a little weekend recap as Stubb was out and about with Coach Criswell and Gary Hess for high school football in Richmond. Don't go anywhere. We'll go around the sports world next on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Alehouse here in Innsbruck, as you can check me out here Mondays throughout football season, recapping all the college football in the state of Virginia, 
commander's reaction and getting you set for Monday night football. And there's a good one tonight, and that's where we will begin as we recap all of the weekend action here on the Sports App. Here it is, everybody. Clearly, this is the future. Stats, scores, highlights. Whoa, 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 are you serious? Wi-Fi plus 3G, 64 This one, this one. The Sports App. All right, Stubb, Monday night football tonight. It is the certified game of the week, the certified game of the season. 8-1 Philadelphia at 7-2 Kansas City. I've already gone on record saying Kansas City wins 38-28. Who are you picking, Stubb? I'm picking the Eagles. Oh. I'm picking the Eagles right. on this one. I'm going to say I'm going to say 31-28 Eagles. So here's another question. Um, Taylor Swift is supposed to be in attendance. She's, I believe, from Philadelphia. Is she going to be wearing an Eagles jersey, or is she going to be doing like a 50-50 split? What do you think? I'd and heard, will she be on TV? I'd heard she wouldn't be there. Oh, she wouldn't be there? No, yeah, well, that's, that's what, breaking news. Yeah, I, I saw I, someone tweeted they were upset because they have Travis for fantasy, and uh, yeah. he does worse when she's not there. <laughs> I was expecting her to be there. All right, maybe my uh, my sources were wrong. You are our Taylor Swift she expert. Is, she is touring globally right now. Uh, oh, I think okay, that that, that's it what it is. Okay, um, so you are out at uh, high school football this weekend, and you saw Thomas Dale against Manchester. Manchester wins forty to twenty-one. What'd you think? It was a blowout. I mean, that last twenty-one, the the last uh, touchdown from Thomas Dale was like a last-second kind of freebie. It was, it was pretty spectacular, and a, an angry and loud crowd from Thomas Dale as they were home. <laughs> So uh, Highland Springs defeated Oscar Smith 28-7. to So Highland Springs and Manchester will meet in the Region A regional finals of VHSL Class 6. And that's going to be heard right here on 910 The Fan on Friday at 1.30 p.m. Stubb, it's going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was also, I want to note, there was a very unfortunate moment where one of the uh, assistant coaches got trucked by a player. Oh, and, uh, no. We saw a little bit more of him than we wanted to see. <laughs> I might need you to pull the clip of Gary Hess on the call for that tomorrow uh, on the show. Of course, we broadcast every high school football game of the week. Over to Class 5, uh, Freeman Local School lost to Fleming, the 8 seed, 23-10. to How about that? The 8 seed getting into the regional final. And they'll face off against Matoica after they defeated Godwin, 36 to nothing. Continuing with high school football here in Richmond, Dinwiddie falls to King George. Their season ends after a 46-29 defeat. But Verina with a wild victory over Huguenot, 21-20. So King George against Verina will be November 25th at 1 p.m. And then uh, did you see who won the state uh, championship in uh, in um, private schools? I think it was Benedictine against Trinity. I think Benedictine won. Uh, but you can check on that for yeah, stuff as we move that. over to, to college basketball as – VCU got a much-needed home win over Seattle. Now they have a three-game win streak headed to Orlando for Disney World, the wide world of sports arena for the ESPN Events Invitational, where I will be broadcasting live from Wednesday and Friday. Uh, thanks to Club D3, if you want to get in on any travel to Disney, even if it's not this Thanksgiving, maybe you want to go over winter break or maybe you want to go next year, go to Club D3 Travel com as they can get you in on the action at Disney World. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Programming note, because of the high school football game on Friday, my show will be in replace of Michael Phillips. He's taken off. He'll spend Thanksgiving and Black Friday with his family. I will be 10 to 1 p.m. before I hand it off to Coach Chris. Uh, we talked about this on 
Uh, University drives slightly, so Virginia Tech loses. UVA wins. JMU, unfortunately, their perfect season collapses in a home defeat to Appalachian State. I will say, though, it was awesome. The crowd that they had for college game day, more than 26,000. That's a record. Uh, but the Dukes lose to App State. That's a tough program, and they came to play. Old Dominion has a chance to be bowling this year, keeping their bowl eligibility alive with a 20-17 victory over Georgia Southern on Saturday, in which Grant Wilson led the team for 110. 82 yards and one touchdown. Keyshawn Wick, 17 carries, 60 yards as ODU with a strong second quarter in which they score 10 points, wins 20-17, to and they've got a win to make it to a bowl game this Saturday at 2 p.m. as they host Georgia State. I'm Adam Epstein. You've been listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105-1 FM. Stubb, did you check? Did Benedictine defeat Trinity? Trinity took down Benedictine. In a, oh, no way. Yeah, quite quite heavily. What was the final score? Uh, the have final score. Hold on. Yep. I, I the thought they, they were losing earlier. 36-7. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And I got to say, I, I, watched, I... I watched that JMU game, and it was, it was a, a disappointment to see yeah. them I lose mean, in overtime. Yeah. I, my friends were calling it embarrassing because, oh, you have college game day there. I'm not embarrassed that they lost to App State. That's an incredible program that has been on the map for 20 years since they beat Michigan. JMU is starting to get to their program to that level, and uh, it will be fun watching them moving forward next year when they are bowl eligible. Appreciate everybody listening to the show today. Thanks to Rick Snyder for chiming in, David Harrison, and Stubb doing a great job on the ones and twos. It's Grant and Nanny coming up next from Washington, D.C.